You're listening to Wholesaling Inc., episode number 368. I think the key here is, is to never quit on yourself and, and do whatever you can to quickly, right out of the gates, get out of your own way. I think the biggest thing I struggled with was not believing in myself. This is game-changing information guaranteed to raise your real estate wholesaling business with actionable steps you can take immediately to navigate the ins and outs of wholesaling and start making money today. Join us as we put our guests in the hot seat and dive deep to dissect their strategies for success to enable you to duplicate their results. Investor Grit presents Wholesaling Inc., the only show dedicated to making you a fortune in wholesaling with your hosts, Tom Kroll and Cody Hoffheim. You're listening to another episode here at Wholesaling Inc. My name is Cody Hoffheim and I'll be hosting today's podcast episode. And I'm super excited to be with each one of you today, breaking down what we call wholesaling. For those of you that are new to this podcast, first and foremost, welcome. Uh, going back to this wholesaling term, really what wholesaling is, for those that are new listening to this, it's just simply the art of finding deeply discounted properties that you can then turn for a profit. And each episode is dedicated to interviewing someone that just recently found a discounted property and how they were able to turn that for a profit. So there's multiple ways to exit you could, some people want to find these discounted properties so they can keep them as rentals. Some of them find them so they can fix and flip them and others find it so they can assign the contract to another investor and just keep moving forward. We're going to break this down in this episode. So bring out a piece of paper, bring out a pen and get ready to jot down some gold nuggets because we are going to break it down step by step how a recent individual that I'm going to be bringing up here in a second just did their first deal and how they're able to find it, what was the marketing channel. They're going to share everything. So get ready to jot it down. Don't let this knowledge go to waste. Write it down so that you can get out there and start taking action and get closer to your first deal as well. But also, this individual already has two more deals under contract that are going to be closing in the next seven to 10 days. Exciting, exciting stuff, guys. So today, we have Marco Zapata from Houston, Texas. He's been now wholesaling for about seven months, been part of the tribe, and he just did his first deal. And so he's going to break this down right now. So let's get ready. Marco, my man, how in the heck are you doing? Hey, Cody, I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. I am so excited to have you. I remember just our Wednesday calls when we get on the phone call and we talk through all the different things that you're going through on getting this first deal. And so I'm so excited. We're at this moment. Here you are, you've done your first deal, it's closed, there's money in your account. And excitingly enough to add to this is now that you've done one deal, you start to see this little snowball effect and you already have two more deals coming in. And we'll, we'll briefly touch at this on, on the end, but tell us a little bit about you. What is it you do and why did you get into wholesaling? Yeah, it's been a crazy ride. I'm originally from uh, San Antonio, Texas, born and raised. And I've kind of had a, a background of sales my, my entire life. I moved to the Houston area about seven years ago and started with um, AT&T. And work, I was working in uh, you know, some retail stores and as store manager, worked my mm -hmm. way into the corporate side. I just knew... I mean, I, I love the job that I did on the corporate side where I was you know, negotiating contracts for AT&T to build their fiber services to multifamily projects, new construction mm -hmm. projects. But I knew that, you know, I just felt like there was something more and I wanted to do something for myself. 
And it's always been a long-time dream of mine to eventually own a, a, a portfolio of rental properties and gain that, you know, that kind of wealth. So I knew that you know, corporate America wasn't going to last very long. So I thought, well, if I want to get in, go to that direction, I need to be a real estate agent. So I went and got my real estate license and started doing the real estate agent thing on the side along with my job at AT&T. Mm-hmm. And I got, in, I got in that role and I was like, you know, it, it's cool, but it's not really... Like, There's got to be something more. Come yeah. on, people. And then it come to find out, like you don't need to... In order to you know, get properties, you don't even need to have a real estate license. And it's like, well... So in your mind, were you thinking this? Like when you got into it, you're thinking the only way to get into real estate is I have to be a realtor. Is that like yeah. the belief you yeah. had in your mindset? Yeah. And I mean, my entire life, what was holding me back was like, either I didn't have the time or the money. And then finally, I kind of was at a point in my life where, you know, I had both time and money and I'm just kind of doing my job and then mm-hmm. kind of wandering around. And my wife's like, so what are you going to do? And I'm like, well, I, I guess I better get to it. And I thought, you know, <laughs> go get your real estate license, go become a real estate agent. And that's how you acquire properties eventually, right? You'll come across yeah. deals. Um, so how did you come across wholesaling? You're in the real estate space. You're, you're doing like the traditional, like maybe listing of properties or, or helping buyers find properties. What made you cross paths and start to hear and learn about wholesaling? Well, it's funny. One of my longtime uh, best friends from college, Michael Ireland Costignon. I'm, I'm yeah. He, the, yes. He was out here in Salt Lake just a, a few months back. Yeah. He was a college roommate of mine. One of my best friends. And he got into real estate as an agent a few years before me. And then right as I got my license a few years later, he was at the beginning of his stage of, of transitioning into wholesaling. And I'm working my corporate job and you know, doing these open houses on weekends and just kind of running the rat race. And you know, we go out a couple of times and he's like, yeah, man, I just made like 20 grand last month. But he didn't tell me he was like wholesaling. He just, <laughs> and I'm like, dang, 20 grand in a month. Wow. <laughs> And then like a couple months later, I'll see him. He's like, yeah, man, I made like 50 grand last month. And I'm like, man, I think at one point I was like, are you selling drugs? What are you doing, bro? (laughs) Yeah. I was like, I'm quitting my job, dude. Like this is crazy. So I, I started wholesaling Inc. really in June Uh and he kind of gave me the, showed me the ropes, you know, and gave me a, a couple tips in getting started. And he just really, really expressed how much wholesaling Inc. has helped him. And how it's the best out there, and I, I mean, I trusted them, so I, you know, I went, I went for it. You jumped right in. Now, to help people maybe understand, here you were working full time. Are you still working full time, uh, like a corporate job and doing this on the side, or did you say, no, man, I'm going all in. I'm going all in now. So ideally, I was going to keep my corporate job at least to the end of 2019. Uh huh. And right as I started wholesaling Inc., like literally the week I started going at least part time with it, I got laid off. From oh. AT&T, and they gave me about thirty days, and so that was—I'd never did been laid off. Find that like a curse, or did you find that like a unique blessing? Like, were you thinking, "Oh well, my gosh, how am I going to do this?" Or were you thinking, "Uh, you know what? Now my back's against the wall. Let's roll." <laughs> yeah, I feel like I perform best when my back is against the wall. So in uh-huh. a way, I felt like it was God telling me, "Like, all right, go at it," you know. Yeah. And yeah, I was like, "No, just six more months in corporate America," and he's like, "No, now." <laughs> so, <laughs> in a way, yeah. I mean, when it actually happens to you, like. You hear about it all the time happening, friends, family, you know, people you know. But when it actually happens to you, it's really a gut punch. And sure it is. It, it takes... And I performed. I, was a, I never underperformed. I was always over 100% attainment on my goals. So it came as a big surprise to me. 
But also at the same time, it kind of awoke me like, man, I can take a job anywhere and they can lay me off at any time, no matter what I'm doing or how good I'm doing. I, I really don't want that to ever happen again. So yeah, I got laid off and I went full force with uh, wholesaling. Wow. That is awesome. So we've already got this beginning prep to help people that are listening, understanding what it is you can do. We've had many walks of life. For those that have listened to many of our podcasts, you'll see that they come from all backgrounds. People with real estate knowledge, no real estate knowledge, some doing it part-time, some now forced to do it full-time, but it works in all areas. You'll see that you can pick how it's going to work for you. So let's break this down. Let's get going into this, Marco. Let's, let's go right into your first deal and let's start right with how you were able to come across this lead. What was the marketing channel you were using to actually acquire this lead? Okay, well, technically, I got my first deal under contract about four months in. Uh huh. And it was set to close about two or three weeks later in November of okay. last year. Okay. I was, I was going to make about a 27000 assignment fee. Long story short, that fell apart on closing day. And I learned a lot from that deal looking back. But in that moment, man, it was another gut punch. And oh, I mean, I, you're I like, can't... come on, I need this. Don't do this. Don't oh, I do did. This. I really did need this. And so, um, sure. Well, what got you to find it? Like, how did you come across? Were you doing direct mail? I mean, what was the marketing channel using to find this lead in the first place? That was direct mail tax delinquent. So you're sending out a postcard and you're Mm -hmm. sending it to people that are behind on their property tax. Yes. Okay. What does one do to find something like that? I know it's different in every state, but I mean, is that something that's easy you find online or is that something you have to go down to the courthouse? Like, how do you come across that? I think, I mean, it's not hard. It's just a little tedious. And especially if it's your first time like doing it, you're like, it takes probably a little longer than you expect because you don't really know what you're doing and you're scared to like, you know, go do the wrong thing. But y'all are always about taking massive action and progress, not perfection. So right. I kept that in the back of my mind. And, you know, it, it was easy. I, I mean, looking back, like you go to, you go to the tax office downtown, uh-huh. uh, you pay $50 and then they give you a disc. Get a list. I think that's awesome. I think the hardest part was uh, getting it converted um, <laughs> to a to way like, that the yeah, that the to, mail house can actually use it. Yeah, and so I had, you know, <laughs> hiring a virtual assistant. Yeah, it was a big waste of time. Okay, so they get this list, they put it into perspective, they get it over to the mail house, and start sending out. How much mail were you sending out per week or per month? At the time, I was sending out. I think I sent out eight thousand. And is that the, all at once or over like X amount of weeks? The first time was, uh, I think it was all at once the first time. So it was a bit overwhelming, especially the first That's a one. Hun, like when you say this, my eyes are like dropped, right? Because even at the level I'm at, we only send out maybe, I mean, we send out close to it, but we send out maybe like 6,500 to 7,000 every single week. But that also has a team in place. I can only imagine your phone almost on meltdown since you're yeah. like the solopreneur wearing it all the hats. Crazy. <laughs> and so, and then all of a sudden, like after like maybe six weeks, like it went completely quiet, like crickets for like three weeks. Uh huh. And I think I got on a call with y'all, and I was like, "Man, I don't know what's going on." Yeah. Um, so Mayday. y'all kind of helped me structure it to you know send it out weekly or every other week or whatever uh-huh. and break it down so it's kind of spread out evenly. Yep, and and I can keep up too. So um, I think this is a good point to really hit on, and this is this is really crucial. And that is 
instead of sending out 8,000 is a ton, guys, a ton. So those listening to this, that is a ton of mail to send out all at once, especially with a one-man show. That will be very tough to fulfill. In fact, a lot of leads will go to the wayside because you won't be able to keep up. And so you're almost forced to just go over the low-hanging fruit and you kind of miss on all the deals that aren't low-hanging fruit, which happens to be 70% of the deals are not low-hanging fruit. So ton of deals still sitting in your pipeline, Marco, but this is something crucial. If you're going to be doing that, the main thing is if you can send out like, let's break it down even to 2000 and do it over a month um, and do 2000 pieces a week, that gets to be more consistent where you're consistently getting on the phone, consistently setting appointments, consistently making offers, consistently getting contracts versus that big, huge shotgun approach that I Definitely. can only imagine. I'm sitting here listening, thinking, oh man, I can't yeah, imagine crazy. what you're doing. You're probably like overwhelmed. You're like, no, 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 no. That's a lot of phone calls. How do I do this? So keep going. This deal came in or this lead comes in and reaches out to you. They're behind on taxes. What did it sound like? What was the conversation that allowed you to know that, hey, there's some motivation here. This is an appointment I really want to look at. And you're talking about the deal that fell apart in November, right? Yes. And that ultimately came to a closing, right? Just this is no, the same it one. Didn't. It never oh, closed. <laughs> so that never closed. Okay. So let's talk about the, the first deal that actually closed. Did that come from tax delinquent and mail as well? No. Okay. So, where did that one come from? It's crazy. So um, that came from driving for dollars. So at one point I just didn't want to sit around waiting for mail and calls to come in. Uh huh. So I figured, let me just get moving. I, I'm full time on this. I got you know, a lot of time on my hands for the most part. So I started driving for dollars. I did the deal machine app. I can't tell you how many neighborhoods I went through and how many properties I added to the list. But um, <laughs> it, it seemed like a lot of work. But I started doing this maybe in j- July. Okay. And yeah, about five or six months. I didn't really get any one any any kind of leads from that specifically. Yeah. So yeah. Then finally, I mean, once you know, deal one kind of fell apart, and I'm not getting any anywhere with driving for dollars. I mean, I'm down in the dumps. I'm thinking about quitting. I don't know how many times. And this is, I love the reality here. I'm grateful you're being vulnerable enough to share that this is not easy. Oh, it's not a get rich no, quick scheme. Like this is something that is going to take a lot of consistent, imperfect action so that you can move forward. So. Keep going. What got you this deal? I mean, you said driving for dollars. Is this something that through time over calling them multiple times? I mean, are you skip tracing and just cold calling them? Are you sending postcards to them? No, I'm I'm cold calling them. And I think one consistently cold calling them, leaving them messages, but also Uh just even if you don't, you're not consistently calling, maybe you they pick up on the first ring and it just happens to be the right place at the right time. Yeah. In this uh, specific instance, I want to say. I called him. I think it was his first time picking up. And I asked him if he wanted to sell, followed the the script with uh, Brent Daniels. Uh-huh. And I said, you know, are you looking to sell? He's like, yes, I would. And at that point, I was like, I froze up because I was like, I don't even know what to say because nobody's said <laughs> yes before. So I was like, oh, crap. I kind of like went along with it and scheduled the appointment, went over there, ran the numbers. And I'm like, okay, I need to get it on, at about this in order to make this. And so I go over there, get on the appointment. And as soon as I get there, he's like, oh, yeah, I, I do want to sell my house, but not this house I'm living in. It's actually next door. Uh-huh. So all the numbers I had in my mind... Aren't even for the right house. Throw that out the door, right? And I'm just like, <laughs> great. And so it's a smaller house. It's in worse condition. And I'm like, oh, my God. 
He had already dropped price. He wanted it around 60. Uh-huh. And as you hear that, did it already sound like a deal at 60? Or you're like, no, that's still oh, yeah. high with the condition it's in. I, I thought I was going to make twenty to thirty thousand on the numbers that I that I initially thought I was going to go see for that okay. for that house. Okay. So then so I'm like, well, what was uh, the motivation behind it? What was driving him to say, had, "Hey, I want to sell this home." He had tenant in the house next door that were behind on their payments, mm-hmm. and he wanted them out. And plus, he also wanted to use the money to buy a, a better home for his family because it was it wasn't in a very good neighborhood, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there's the driver. Bad tenant wants to upgrade a little bit of his style of living, be in a different neighborhood, and and cash out and move on. So you hear this, and is there a time crunch on this? He's like, I want to move fast. Yeah, I'm he said he wanted someone to, to do an offer now. Like, what did that look like? Yeah, he said he wanted to move pretty much as soon as possible. Okay, but you know, he had to talk about it with his wife. He kept using the spousal objection. And I'm like, oh man, and she wouldn't come out and talk with me. So you know how that can go. Yeah, yeah. So ultimately. You hear this motivation, you go through, did you just make an offer and then leave? Or is this something that <laughs> it was like, what did that look like? So people can start to hear how you're able to put this under contract. Well, so I, I you know, I looked at the property and I had to kind of wing it on the numbers. And based on the numbers that I had from winging it, I was like, well, I got to get it at least, you know, 50, 53 range. Uh-huh. So I offered 53. He was still dead set on 60. And then we came to a middle at about 55. Okay. So 55,000. And is this something you got on the spot or is this something he's like, okay, let me talk to my wife and I'll call you back. Well, I was prepared, man. I was like, I want to get this done today. Yeah. Yeah. But he wasn't budging. And I'm like, man, and I'm like, and you don't want to push it too hard in that point. Sure. And so I was like, I kind of pushed it as far as I knew I could, but you don't want to come off desperate. You don't want to chase the dog, as Tom Crow always says. So, like, I I just kind of swallowed it and kind of hoped for the best. And I ended up leaving that day. And I remember just feeling kind of defeated. Like, man, Tom and Cody always say, like, you got to get that signed. I can just imagine Tom's <laughs> voice, like, get off the phone, go back over there and get it under contract. And right. I was kind of, you know, devastated about it. So I followed up for weeks, didn't hear back. He didn't answer, didn't return my messages. I'm like, this one's dead. Ugh. I, I email him my offer. I send him another offer in the mail, just like, "Hey, sorry, we weren't able to come to a you know a middle point here on on the offer, but here's my offer in case you're interested." So I think maybe three weeks went by. Christmas rolls around, and the day after Christmas, I'm literally about to drive my uh, parents to the airport so they can leave, and I get a call and I pick up, and he's like, "Hey, this is Juan. You're interested in buying my house? Are you still interested?" And I'm like, uh, "Yeah." <laughs> And he goes, okay, well, we're ready now. I talked to my wife and I thought this deal was dead. Sure, sure. So I just kind of got in the truck and I was just like staring at my phone. And my wife's like, what's wrong? I was like, some guy wants to sell me a house. Like, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> yeah, you're like shocked, sticker shock. You're like, oh. she's like, okay. She's like, you saw a ghost. Yeah, what just happened? <laughs> so I dropped everyone off, head, like headed over there, got the deal signed, uh-huh. put it under contract. And then when I came home, I signed it under at 55. When I came home, I reran the numbers and I'm looking at it and I'm like, man, in order for me to make money on this deal, I would have had to have gotten the contract under 54,000. And I'm like, great. So I was like, well, I'm just going to go for it and see what happens. Uh-huh. I, I at least want to make five grand on this deal. Yep. And so I blasted it out for 65, knowing that based on numbers, investors are probably going to talk me down. Okay. 
So, um, you know, I blasted it out. And to be so honest, you're sending the, you're trying to assign it. You're ultimately put this under contract. It's an assignable contract. And now you're marketing the contract to investors, cash buyers, so that they can come in and buy the home. Correct. Okay. And so at the time, it showed that a lot of people were looking at the property. But, you know, due to holidays, I was trying to schedule, you know, a time where people could come take a look at the property. And, it was just kind of tough because it was day after Christmas. A lot of people were out of town. Mm-hmm. New Year's is rolling around. So I had, a, I think I did it the day after New Year's. But I got an email from uh, an investor. He's like, hey, what do I... I don't even want to look at it. What do I got to do to get it under contract? And usually, you don't want to take the first offer you get. Sure. In this case, I'm, you know, looking back, I'm glad I did because he actually ended up being the only offer I got on that house. Yep. So did you so, tell him a price or did he tell you a price? Like, I don't know. You tell me. What do you want to buy it for? Well, no, I, I, I blasted it at 65. Yep. And so he knew it was at 65. Uh, we ended up checking out the property the next day after yep. I got it signed. He ran some numbers. He's like, I think it's at a good price. But really what it came down to was the landlord didn't let me get into the home initially. Like He only let me see certain parts of it because there was tenants in there. Mm-hmm. And so on the appraisal district websites and you know on Zillow and things like that, they tell you that it's three bedroom, two bath. Well, you, we walked in finally and we saw everything and there was actually three bedroom, one bath. So that really threw off the comps. Yeah. And so he's like, look, he's like, I'm going to have to add a second bathroom in order for this to even make sense. He's like, well, you do 60. And I honestly, I was like, that's where I wanted to be anyway. Cause, and it was my first deal. So I, sure. I mean, I know there's a lot, sure. to learn to do, but yes. so we agreed at 60, got the earnest money, got under contract and we closed within a couple of weeks. So this is phenomenal. You know, what's coming Marco. So let me put this number together. So it makes sense to everyone. You put under contract at 55, send it out 65. He agrees at 60. You make $5,000 on this, on this deal. Is that correct? Yes, sir. My man, you know, what's coming. Hold on one second. We have got the victory bell. Right. How does that feel to know that deal number one is completely out of the way and you now have this rolling momentum where deal number two and three are going to be closing as well? It's unbelievable, man. It's, I mean, it's, it's kind of a dream come true. I, I mean, I just remember six months ago, I, there was numerous times where I just thought, I, you know, why me? Like, why can't this work for me? And I thought about quitting on a handful of occasions, and it was, it was tough emotionally, mentally. But I'm, you know, I'm glad, even though, even though it's, you know, you hear people getting the twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars assignments. I mean, that was just a weight off my shoulders just to get this deal done, oh. even if it was at five. Brother, you will always remember this first deal. It will always be something you remember. It will never be, oh man, it's not big like everyone else. Who cares? It is something you will always remember. Because this is the day it turns from faith to fact. It's now something that you don't have to say, oh, will it ever happen? Oh my goodness, it's too good to be true. Oh my gosh, will it ever happen for me? No, it happened. And because of it, I've already seen a confidence boost. I've seen your reality change. And you are actually physically seeing it yourself because since that deal, you have a second and a third. And let's just high level just talk about this. Your second deal that you're about to uh, close on, what will you make on that deal? Uh, 12,000. 
12,000 on the third deal that's coming up to close. What are you going to make on that deal? 26,000. My man, this is huge. That's 38,000 plus five, $43,000 between three deals. That my friend is ever bit as good, or I should say even bigger than most people's full year salaries. This is an incredible, incredible- It's life-changing, man. It's life-changing. It is. It is. And this is something that it's real though. You had a struggle. You had the challenges face you in every form, every degree. Your back was against the wall. You didn't have a job to bring in income. You're doing everything you can. And here you just kept digging, kept digging, kept digging. And you found the diamond. And here you are doing it over and over again. And that is the story that needs to be said and, and, and yelled at the top of mountains for people that it doesn't come easy. This is a very real life story. It is tough. Entrepreneurship in general is not easy. So that's why most people won't do it. But look at the game-changing events that now have taken place in Marco's life where he has done almost $43,000 in about, let's say, a 30-day period of closing. And that's just the beginning of the year. He's going to keep moving forward throughout this year doing more than this. So Marco, thank you so much for sharing the story with us, but I will not let you go until we finalize this podcast, how we always do. And it's two questions. You ready for them? Yes, sir. Okay. The first one is what's a good book that you've currently reading or maybe just read past in the, in the past little bit that's been game changing, something that's helped you become someone better. I feel like, uh, this is everyone's go-to, um, but I can't go without saying The Go-Giver. <laughs> the Go-Giver is huge. This is a great book. Tell me why you like that. What is it about The Go-Giver that says, hey, I have to say it, even though a lot of people have said this book? I just think it really opened my, my eyes to... like Being open to receiving is just as, as, as good as open to giving. It's like sometimes when you know, God tries to bless you with a gift and you're denying it because you're, you know, you're too prideful, you don't feel like you're worth it. I think it's just a game changer to realize like, you need to be open to receiving as well, you know? That's awesome. That is awesome. Going, going above and beyond to do whatever you can to, to help others. In the I long love way. it. Instead of the go-getter, be a go-giver. I love it. So there's a great book. But, uh, I would say, that, the, I mean, the one that's really opened my eyes and my mind to, you know, some things I've been dealing with is, is the new Psycho Cybernetic. Okay. Okay. And who's that by? If you uh, know. Maxwell go. Maltz. Oh, Mac- Maxwell Maltz. Okay. It's an old one. And this book, what is it specifically about? Like well, a high level, one, like couple words. Is it psychology? Is it mindset? Like what is it? Both. Yeah. So like in a nutshell, it's, you know, psychology, mindset. Really, to put it in simple terms, if you think you can't, you can't. And if you think you can, you can. And so All whatever right. you want to achieve, you just, you know, imagine it, you set your mind to it and you let your automatic um, mechanism just go full force with it. And I mean, if you think you're going to fail, you will. If you think you're going to succeed, you will, right? So Love just it. making sure you're standing firm on the positive thoughts instead of the negative. Love it. Second question. You ready? Yes, sir. All right. Looking back now, seven months, what would you have done differently? Or maybe what would you have done the same? You can take it either way. Um, I, think, I think the key here is, is to never quit on yourself and, and do whatever you can to quickly, right out of the gates, get out of your own way. I think the biggest thing I struggled with was not believing in myself. And I think it got, it came to a point where, you know, there was so many people around me that believed me in me. It was, it was very, I couldn't believe that I couldn't even believe in my own self. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, 
you know, you, you really are the only person who can hold yourself back from what you want to achieve. I love it. That is such a killer, 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 killer mindset. But I love how you took a second to really think about that. Never quit. And he was the biggest one in his way. That's, that's awesome. And that's going to be valuable to, to those listening today. So Marco, thank you again so much for being on this podcast episode. I know there's many individuals listening to this, maybe for their first time or maybe multiple time. And now something unique about your story was able to connect with them, resonate with them and help them understand that, oh my goodness, I can do this. I can do this. It's something unique about your story that could push people to that next level. So thank you so much for taking the time to share this. Cody, thank you so much. It's an honor. Okay. Listeners, Rhino Nation, grateful you guys were able to join us today and learn from Marco Sabata, where he just did his first deal and has multiple deals coming up in the future. And this is a real life story, guys, breaking down the fundamentals, the principles, the action that he had to take. And was it easy? No, far from it. So get out there. Start taking massive imperfect action. The podcast is not to just feel good and be like, oh man, that's cool. It's meant to really jot down the gold nuggets, the value that come from these podcast episodes and get out there and start acting upon those same principles so that you can go out there and consistently find deeply discounted properties. Because my friends, if you can find deeply discounted properties consistently, you will be able to make a lot of money in real estate. And if you need help doing that, go over to www wholesellinginc.com where you can then book a call and get on the phone with someone from my team where we can break down your goals and really go over them and assist you and show you how we can help you achieve them through wholesaling real estate. Until next time, guys, get out there, take massive imperfect action, and we'll see each one of you on our next episode. God bless. Take care. That's all for this episode. Your next step to success is to continue the conversation over at InvestorGrit.com by joining the mailing list, as well as get your chance to book a strategy session to learn the systems and become part of the tribe with your hosts, Tom Kroll and Cody Hoffheim. We'll see you next episode with more ways to make you a fortune in wholesaling.